Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 272. I'm Donner. And I'm Zook. And how's it going, eh? It's going well, eh? Welcome back from the Great White North. I know, I know. I was in Canuckia. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I was actually up in Toronto this last week. Um, where it's much like Canada is kind of funny in that it's like America light. I should have had you bring me back some Cadbury stuff from up there. I actually had some Cadbury, uh, Cadbury uh, milk bars. Uh, Zoner and I used to work together for Cadbury. They're, they're not the company that we've often mentioned, you know, when we say the company that who we must not name, but we worked for Cadbury and yes. Yeah, our, our our Canadian coworkers would always go on and on and on about how they have better chocolate. I have now had their Cadbury chocolate, and you know what? Meh. See, I think it's better. I lived overseas, though, so I got used to the good stuff. When I came home, I had a tough time eating American chocolate for years. See, and I prefer the dark, more bitter chocolate anyway, something with a bit of bite to it. So Cadbury milk bars, it's, yeah. Besides, if... You guys are all spoiled. How can you eat that stuff? All of you people are spoiled with your first world chocolate. You want bad chocolate? Go to Japan. They have no concept what chocolate is supposed to taste like. It's like dirty water. (laughs) It's like someone made them hot chocolate with like a a Swiss Miss pack and then let it just dry into a a chocolate bar. That's their idea of of a chocolate bar. It is horrible. Wow. That, That is pretty bad. Yes. So, how how has it been this last week here in the good old states? You know, it's it's kind of been interesting. You know, all all the news is coming from across the pond. Yeah, and I got a lot of that, being that uh, Canada's part of the Commonwealth. But we should uh, point out here that we are brought to you by our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio, Stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, Geek Factor Radio, and our good friends at WP Cycle who I was actually on site at their facility this last week. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, the parent company who bought my company also owns a sister company, and that's where I was visiting. This sister company owns the servers that WP Cycle leases to us. That's just like, that's a lot of like, degrees of separation there you think yeah. that's bad try to explain it to a customs official on the canadian border who's wondering why i'm trying to come into the country yeah makes sense if it was if it was our southern border and you were coming into the u.s you just walk through move like 50 feet down the road from the from the checkpoint and you can just walk right in if they stop you just say hey i'm a mexican and they'll let you right in so what's really funny is the fact that every time i've ever visited canada i always have problems at the border always yeah every time do they assume that you're like from there trying to get here or because i know there's a large asian population in certain areas no i getting back into the u.s i've never had a problem getting into canada i've always had a problem it's like the canadians just don't want me in there years ago so this is a total tangent here but we've already covered the sponsors so they're good they've all turned off their podcasts anyway but so years ago, my ex-wife moved to canada with our son she married a canadian she lived up there around lethbridge 
And to go get him for summers or holidays, I'd have to drive up to go pick him up. And every time I'd be grilled at the border. Well, why are you coming into Canada to pick up my son? He lives here with his mother. Well, why does he live up here with his mother? Because that's what the court documents say has to happen. Well, why is she up here? Because she married a Canadian. Well, why don't you meet down in the States? It's like, I don't know. Would you like to call her and ask her? Because that would be very entertaining. <laughs> it would be much more convenient for you as well. Yeah. This time is like, I'm simply going up for meetings. Well, do you work for a Canadian company? No. Do they work for you? No. We both work for the same parent corporation. Then why are you coming up here? Are you training? No. Or are they training you? No. So why are you coming up? Well, I just have meetings. Couldn't you handle those meetings on the phone? It's like, who are you? You sit in a guard <laughs> shack all day. Were they Mounties? No, no. They were all... You know actually what they looked like? They all looked like Raccoon City police officers. They all had that kind of blue uh, uniform with the tactical vest on front. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was quite funny. I was waiting for like a zombie apocalypse to happen any moment. Nice. Yeah. Well, the company that I work for, we actually have customers that we'll be doing stuff for up in Canada. So I may be getting to explain myself... I, I have as uh, well, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this on air. But if anyone needs to pass into Canada for business reasons, the, there are some key words you need to say: business meeting, sales meeting. I'm just going up for a sales meeting. I'm not doing any business in Canada. You just tell them you're going there for a sales meeting. That's it. That's good be to know. Because otherwise, if they think you're going to be doing any work in Canada that could be done by a Canadian citizen, they will grill you. Because mm. then you're taking jobs. Then they get their Canadian version of Donald Trump to come and, and yell at you about taking Canadian jobs. Oh, wow. I, does the Canadian version of Donald Trump have awesome hair as well? Uh, probably even awesomer. It's probably like... Uh, our Trump's kind of detached from his scalp, but it looks more like flock of seagulls. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way. By the way, Canada, your thing on poutine and bladder cancer, both very weird. You know, <laughs> that is really weird that they're so obsessed with bladder cancer up there. Every restaurant I went to, it was all over the bathroom. And uh, not cancer itself. Not, not, not cancer, right. <laughs> Don't touch the door. It has cancer. But <laughs> every bathroom I was in had these signs saying, look out for a bit of, you know, a bit of blood in the urine. If there's blood in the urine, call your doctor. And I'm thinking, is this an indictment of the restaurant? Is this, what is this? I don't understand. Yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of an unnerving thing when you look at, at, the wall in the restroom that you're doing your business in at, at this restaurant. And all of a sudden you're getting not good feelings about the quality of the food that you've been here serving. in the States. I mean, all the advertisements in a restroom is like, have you ordered the appetizers? Try another alcoholic beverage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I was in Cleveland, every restroom I'd go into, it was just buy beer. Here, we've got this beer. Have you tried it yet? Okay, great. Um, no, but 
thanks for letting me know that you have 87 different kinds of beer on tap. You have four tables that you can serve people at, but there's 87 beers, so whatever. I mean, yeah, that's that's crazy. Instead, yeah. it's like, watch out for the cancers. <laughs> the cancers will get you up there. They will get you. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's actually reverse this um the show notes because we don't have any feedback and wait do we maybe we do i feel bad now like i've been traveling people no no we have no feedback oh yes we do yes we do we have one we have one bit of feedback and it's a question from glue and the subject line is is this the best idea or the worst idea and the question is would you guys ever start a politics podcast <laughs> uh, we'd be the odd couple we would except here's the problem um much of my politics comes based on common sense so Which is funny because so does mine well yours does <laughs> we we do we actually have the we both have flip sides of common sense we, we come at things from different angles but we always end up coming to the same point which is what's really really funny it is because i mean you're pretty socialist and I am. i'm and i'm like the exact opposite of that and it's funny because like even dr squishy he's very you know Massachusetts very democrat it's liberal unbelievably liberal and i i i'll never forget you asked me one day about uh my thoughts on obamacare and i told you and you said that's really weird because you think exactly what squishy thought which is exactly what I think. And I mean, the three of us completely different ends of the political spectrum. Although you and Squishy, I think, may be closer uh, together than I am to either of you. But I mean, yet we still, common sense generally prevails. Generally prevails, yeah. There's uh, the not a lot of it out there. Yeah. The difference is, is that you're usually much better uh, researched than I am in a matter. <laughs> I, I I'll admit try. that. I will admit that what I have, because uh, to me, there's only so much research you need before some little miniature compass inside you says, no, that's wrong. Yeah. You know, and for me, it just triggers really early, which leads, by the way, to horrible political discussions. Oh, yeah. You know, the, 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 the popularity of such political shows are based entirely on two well-researched, well-thought-out counterpoints going at it for the idea of an extended battle. Mm -hmm. The idea of, so, um, hey, Zoner, what do you think about uh, referendum A? And he goes, well, this is really dumb for this reason. And I say, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Well, until next time. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how the show would be, I think, which is just fascinating to me. Um, I actually have some feedback, too. But, yeah, I, I think that a political podcast, probably, I've considered it. I'll, I'm not going to lie. I've considered it. But I don't think I want to sully the stolen droid's name by... No. And sully we would. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I will say this. I was listening to the Hamilton soundtrack, Driving Through Hamilton, Ontario, which was kind of funny. Um, and there's two tracks on it, Cabinet Battle Number 1 and Cabinet Battle Number 2. If C-SPAN could be more like that, I would watch it nonstop. <laughs> You know, I actually, on your suggestion, I picked up the Hamilton soundtrack from Google Play for like four bucks. It was a, it was on sale. Good deal. 
I have yet to listen to it. Oh. I, I just, I'm listening to Les Miserables on audiobook, and it's 51 CDs, and so, like, that's... Les Miserables on audiobook will take as long as the actual time within Les Miserables. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's a... Oh, dude, it's long. You will finish <laughs> on your deathbed. Uh, I, I hope to. When when Valjean dies, that's my sign that it's okay for me to die as well. Um, but I have some feedback. It came from Nathan. Uh, he said... Uh, oh, shoot. Where did it go? Um, it was about Brexit. He said... I see you've posted several things about Brexit, and I understand your general stance on the subject. My question for you is, what, if any, effect this will have on the tech world? Ooh, good question. That is a really good question. Because it's time, our first headlines. At the time, I wasn't really sure, and I, I don't know that I still am. <laughs> okay, so these are our first headlines, and I know we have a few EU and UK listeners uh, so let's address this right off the bat, because some people here in the States may not quite understand what the Brexit was or what the EU stands for or what the EU is. So and let's cover I those I think a lot first. of people in the UK also fall into that category. I would agree, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so in the United States, we take for granted the fact that we are one nation with 50 states plus territories. And that means that I can travel from, I, I'm here in Utah, and I can travel to any other state in the Union and live there or work there or sell goods there or, to certain degrees, practice my trade there. Now, different places do have different codes. So I, if I'm a lawyer or an attorney in Utah, I can't be an attorney in California without becoming certified there. Same with building codes, you know, things like that. But by and large, there's nothing keeping me from doing that either. If I'm an attorney in Utah, I can go and pass the bar in California and practice in California. If I'm a plumber, I can do the same thing and get licensed in all 50 states if I wanted to. Right? We have that kind of transparency between the states. Yes. Okay. And that is one of the big reasons why America has prospered the way it has. Because... If Redmond, Washington, Microsoft's hometown, if Microsoft wants to sell an operating system to a computer in Fort Lauderdale, they can do so because they're all part of the same United States. Microsoft doesn't have to open up a whole new office in Florida and make sure that their software adheres to Florida's codes and ethics and regulations and import tariffs and everything because they're all part of one country. Well, let's go over the Atlantic to the EU. The EU obviously is not one country. Uh, in fact, the EU is more than one continent in some cases. But many of those countries are all so small by our standard that they would be smaller than most of our states. So if they were completely isolationists, they wouldn't be able to trade. There'd be no economy. And that may have been fine during medieval times, but in a modern age like we have now, that becomes really problematic. So taking a page from our book, they decided to form the European Union, 
which says that, and I'm really, really glossing over this. I realize that. So before anyone sends some hate mail, please understand, and this is a real high-level overview, that they would operate like federated states, like we do here in the U.S., saying if you are if you have a U.K. passport, because the U.K. is an EU member, then that passport is valid at every crossing in an EU member state. So people in France with a French passport can travel through any country in the EU. It means they can also work anywhere in the EU. Remember how I just said that I got grilled at the Canadian border? They would not have that problem. It means that if something is built in Belgium and it adheres to EU regulations, then it can be sold anywhere else in the EU. So from a trade and economy standpoint, it's Europe's attempt to be like us. But from many people's standpoints, and I, and I understand this, because they're not independent states, because they are actual countries, it can come across to them very much like a larger continental control seizing my country's ability to self-govern. Right? And I think a lot of states' rights people have the same issue with the federal government here in the U.S. Would you oh, agree, yeah. Zoner? Oh, yeah. definitely. I, I'm definitely in that camp. <laughs> Bring so, back the Tenth Amendment, y'all. So, so the same, the same queries, quandaries, problems face both. Well, this week, Great Britain voted on a referendum on whether or not to stay in the EU. It what? It was United Kingdom, the whole whole UK, not just Great Britain. Right, but the name Brexit was because it was yes, Britain's exit. Britain. Yes. Um, now we have what's known as the Brexit diet, which is how to lose a few million pounds in only a couple minutes. Because the Brexit passed, which means that the people of Britain want the parliament to consider separating from the EU. It is not what some people would assume is saying, okay, we will now immediately split. And in all honesty, the government is under no obligation to actually act out on it. But, uh, yeah, the markets have not been kind. No, they haven't. People have kind of lost their mind in general. And, you know, for me, I, I don't want to get too much into the politics of it. And I'm just going to throw this out there. If Zook missed anything in his high-level overview... Remember, we're a couple of idiot Americans. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. True. Very true. However, I think after this Brexit vote, I think it's safe to say that Brits are just as dumb as us. <laughs> I think well, I think it's the, loving, the, the playing field has been leveled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it could be. But, you know, I'm... This may not surprise any of our longtime listeners. I'm okay with this vote. I've got friends from London. I've talked with them about it. They all voted for the exit, um, and I think short-term, it's going to suck, and it's going to suck really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And but, see, and it shouldn't surprise anyone, I'm more of a federalist. You know, yeah. I like to consolidate, uh, consolidate economic strength and whatnot. But the thing we can agree on is how it's affected the tech sector shouldn't surprise anyone, because stocks have plummeted all over the world now. The, oh, yeah. uh, the the British pound has tumbled 
the most since it has since the 80s. Yeah, I think I saw someone say that the pound is what it was in 1985. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... It's not hard to understand why now, considering the description I just gave, why this is the case. I want everyone else to imagine what would happen if the U.S. suddenly split the same way that the EU is threatening to do right now. If all of a sudden your Microsoft operating system or your Apple phone or your Android phone or even your BlackBerry or anything, right, is no longer regulated it's no longer authorized in your state because it can no longer travel over state lines or the distribution of labor that goes into say a company like Microsoft or Google or Apple who has offices everywhere is no longer allowed. Say you're an Apple associate, right? But you live in Michigan. Well, guess what? Now, technically you can't do that anymore. Apple has to pull all of its employees back until they become authorized in all 49 other states. Apple can't ship products to all these other states until it meets every single one of their regulations. Yeah. Uh, so it's the Brexit is an unequivocally bad idea when it comes to immediate economy and trade. Yeah. It, and, in, and that's where the, we're going to leave it because we're not British. We're not economists. And we honestly don't know. We, as Honor pointed out, we have differing views on the rest of it. But no one should be surprised at how badly this is treating the market right now. Oh no, it's it's a nightmare. I mean, you look at some of these some of these stocks. Amazon did okay. They only lost three point one percent. Apple lost two point seven two percent. Expedia lost more than seven percent, nearly seven and a half percent. Well, a lot of the travel sites are losing a lot. Yeah, NetSuite, uh, almost 8.5%. Priceline, over 11%. I mean, it's it's brutal what it's done to these tech, tech companies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these are tech companies that rely on transparency across borders. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, in the short term, I think it's going to suck. But ultimately, I, I think it'll shake out, and I think it'll be okay, but I think we I mean, said the we, same thing about the USSR. We may be looking at a couple of years here. I mean, definitely, I think we're looking at a few months. But this could be a few years. Of I think not and, good. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean just, to cut you just off. Just not good stuff for for this type of type yeah. of fallout. I, I'm going to put one of my famous, probably right, probably wrong predictions here. Uh, and I'm going to say that if the e, the UK decides to move forward with the exit, we're looking at, at at least a decade and a half of bouncing markets, which means my 401k plan is about to look real interesting. <laughs> I heard somebody say the other day, just leave it where it is. Let it ride this. It'll it'll shake out. Yeah. Um, if the UK decides not to move forward on this, I think uh, a few politicians, the pro-Brexiters, uh, just basically committed political suicide. Yeah, quite Because it, right after the vote, British Prime Minister left office. He was against the exit. Oh, yeah. And he left office, leaving his next in command, who has been the one really wanting the Brexit yeah. in charge. So if he doesn't go forward with it, 
it's he has no one else to blame. Yeah. Well, and it's so. So yeah. that's my prediction. I think it's a rather simple prediction. If they go for it, we're looking at fifteen years at least of turmoil. If they don't go for it, a few politicians have just lost their job, and we will never hear from them again. <laughs> you know, I think Larry Correa put it best. He said uh, the other day that he didn't know much about Brexit when he woke up, but after watching all the people freaking out about it and realizing that the people that who are who were freaking out about it are people he doesn't like and doesn't trust he came to the conclusion that it's probably a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, take that for what you will. Yeah. Everyone's going to have their uh, issues on that. And again, I got to clarify and Zoner just said it himself as well. We don't know enough about the, the, about the UK and the EU to make an educated say one way or another. We just know what is going to happen to tech. And, uh, well, let's just say we're very happy that no major tech influences are from the UK. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of companies there that, I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but, you know, there may be some tech companies that have headquarters or that have offices there. What's going to happen? Are they going to end up moving to Munich? Are they going to move to Paris? I mean, it there's so much unknown right now. It's, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, over the next few, definitely few months and possibly longer to see where this all shakes out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you keep hearing all these experts saying, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I don't think anybody knows, in all honesty, because I can't think of any time where something this big with such a big player has taken place in recent history. Well, I, mean, I will say this, and I've given economists a load of crap over the years, because how many times, Honor, during the course of this show, have we heard things from economists? Oh, this company's about to go public. It's going to be huge, and it completely fizzles out. Yeah. But I have found that economists tend to be pretty accurate when it comes to like a nation. Like They're really horrible about guessing a company or corporation or a group. They're honestly about as accurate as anyone else, which is to say 50-50. But when it comes to a nation, they're typically pretty accurate. I think they know what they're saying in this case. Whether or not that means something for you and I, I don't know. But I will tell you something that's interesting about this vote. We're to that point in the world history. We're to that point in technology where people can see what's trending immediately afterwards. Right? Yes. Trump lands in Scotland. Oh, yeah. Trump lands in Scotland, makes a few stupid comments about the Brexit. Everyone immediately knows how the Scottish feel about him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The UK votes on, yeah, let's go ahead and exit. The next morning, everyone knows what these people were Googling. (laughs) Yeah, which is Uh, funny because, you know, I joked that we're just a couple of American idiots, which, you know, not really a joke because we are. We just have microphones. But there's like actual UK idiots that voted for this thing. Yeah. And we're not saying they're idiots for voting. We're saying they're idiots for voting for it. And then hours later, Googling what the EU is. And evidently (laughs) there's quite a few of them because the number one, uh, the top UK questions on the EU referendum. And I want to point out that these are all polls taken long after the vote has closed. The vote has already been closed. Okay? 
So the top questions on the EU is, why should we stay in the EU? That's a valid, I think. Okay. Uh, number two, why should we leave the EU? Well, okay. What will happen if we leave? Who won the debate? Which countries are in the EU? Uh, okay. These are all things you should have asked before. But what was really, really, really scary was the next morning, those polls had changed. The number question is, number one question is, what does it mean to leave the EU? Number two, what is the EU? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and that, that is the second top UK question on the EU since the results were officially announced. About eight hours after, after the polls closed, what happens if we leave the EU had more than tripled in the number of searches on Google. Shouldn't you be Googling that first? This is kind of like, this is like after President Trump is sworn into office, which, by the way, happens months after he's voted into office, right? Like, he says the oath of the presidency, um, and in his first State of the Union address, everyone starts frantically Googling, what is a president? Yes. <laughs> what y does the know? president do? It's like, it's too late, people. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, you're you're done. You're done if that happens. Speaking of too late, uh, so John Oliver, who we've had a few different episodes as our favorites over the over the course of this show, had a blistering 15-minute breakdown on the Brexit. And he points out a lot of facts that people should take into account. And his stance is that uh, the EU is horrible, and there's something just inherently British about telling the European Union to F off, but that for all their troubles, it benefits Britain to stay in the EU. And I don't think he's wrong, but that's not the point. The point is because that episode aired Sunday night on HBO, and it should have been on Sky TV in the UK at the same time. Only Sky TV didn't air it. And wouldn't air it until after the vote had already been done. This is, at first I thought, this is kind of interesting. This is a bit like censorship, right? Except for it's not, because it turns out in the EU, or sorry, in the UK, I have to get those terms straight now. They're not European, they're British. Um, there's an Ofcom rule that says that televised programs cannot talk about a voting matter in a way that may affect the vote. So they have to air it afterwards. But interestingly, this does not apply to newspapers. And Rupert Murdoch, see, this to me is the biggest reason why the, the, why the Brexit shouldn't be done is because Rupert Murdoch is, in, is for it. Anything that man is for, I, I immediately worry. But oh, Sky Network. He's, he's the guy that brought you things like when animals attack. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, Sky TV, owned by Rupert Murdoch, would have shown a clip saying that the UK shouldn't go for the Brexit, and they didn't air it. Newspapers owned by Rupert Murdoch were able to print their articles saying, yes, we should go for the Brexit, and they were allowed to print. 
Take from that what you will. I find that very interesting. That seems kind of archaic, although I think in the U.S. we're starting to go down that road where you can only say certain things. Uh, And not only just because you'll offend, let's face it, everybody when you open up your mouth, but it seems like there's a lot of censorship on information out there. Uh, whether it be intentional or or whatever it just seems like uh, i would want to know if i was if i was a brit living in london i would want to know as i'm eating my bangers and mash different viewpoints on this so that i could know and let's face it who reads newspapers exactly that's the biggest problem is that i think that uh, unfortunately video is just the way to disseminate information now it's be it definitely the or most not. convenient. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll let you take from that what you will. And back to the U.S., if you will. No, no let's, let's go to Canada. Let's go to Canada. You're right. You're right. Especially because I saw a BlackBerry Priv in the wild this last week. My new boss has one. <laughs> Did you slap him? I'm like, so um, what do you think of it? He's like, um, well, you know, I've just always loved BlackBerry because no one does email or contacts or, or calendars better than BlackBerry. I'm like, yeah, but you know that's not BlackBerry, right? That's Android. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I am. I don't really like this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> he doesn't like the priv, huh? He doesn't. One of my new coworkers has uh, an S7 Edge. He's like, yeah, this is my first phone that isn't a BlackBerry in like a decade. He's like, I love this phone. This phone does everything I want it to do. And he's like, the only thing I don't like about it is how it integrates with Exchange. I'm like, really? Here, let me see that. And I, I changed some settings. I'm like, there you go. Handed it back to him. Okay, now now I like the way it handles Exchange. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. The, the first non-BlackBerry phone in about a decade, which has been about as long as BlackBerry's been really, really irrelevant and bad. I would like to point out, I visited Toronto, okay? Toronto is just a hop, skip, and a jump from Waterloo, which is BlackBerry's headquarters. That should be BlackBerry Central, and I only saw one. Yeah, you would think they'd be all over up there, but apparently not, because they're losing a lot of money. Nobody's buying them. They lost 670... Oh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it, it was really funny talking to the locals about it, too. I didn't tell them that I do a podcast. I didn't tell them I knew anything about it, okay? So they weren't coming in as apologists or whatnot. But everyone talked about them like they're, like they're your local sports team that hasn't had a win at 100 years. But everyone feels kind of obligated to love them just because they're their team. It, it's like Red Sox fans. Or Cubs well, fans. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go with Cubs, because the Red Sox have actually won recently. Cubs, it's like, not so much. It's like, yeah, you love them, but they're going to break your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. And to get to what I was going to, they actually lost $670 million in the last three months. Yeah. Which is almost triple the loss from the three months before that. They're going the wrong direction. 
Well, and so John Chen, CEO, has said that they're going to uh, give it a boost. They're going to license their mobile software to other companies. Pretty sure we've talked about that. Yeah, about we we five suggest years ago. Yeah. Uh, he says he's not opposed to licensing BlackBerry security software if the right deal comes along. And we're like, um, yeah, that's what we said you should do years ago when there was a chance of you being relevant, but now you're not. Well, and there, he also emphasized that they're moving away from smartphone sales. Which is good because they can't make them. Yeah, but the people that like the blackberries like the hardware they want that blackberry keyboard why i don't know but they want that and apparently you know those numbers are diminishing quite a bit as well because blackberry actually has less than one percent of the global market i didn't realize it was that bad Oh, it's that bad. What was really funny is listening to my new boss on his BlackBerry Priv and the coworker on the S7 Edge. Yeah, but don't you miss the keyboard? I mean, I still got the keyboard, and that's why I love this. And the other guy's like, yeah, not really. I just dictate everything to the phone. I, I don't type anything anymore. You can do that? Oh, yeah, check this out. He clicks it. What's the weather like tomorrow? And it answers back. Uh, write an email to John. Hey, John, I'm just testing out the voice keyboard, question mark, or exclamation point. How have you been, question mark, send. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. They are just, BlackBerry is, I, I had no idea that they were hemorrhaging money as badly as they are. But the interesting thing is they are committed to the smartphone business, and we talked a little bit about that, you know, licensing different things, and they project a profit this fiscal year. I don't think that that word means what they think it means. Not at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, they've got zero revenue from this licensing of software, and they're optimistic. John Chen says, quote, anything is possible. Yeah, anything is possible, but it's not probable. They may dig down in their sub-basement and find Canada's largest gold reserve just sitting there under their property, and only they have rights to it. That could happen. Uh, I mean, especially if you subscribe to the multiverse theory. Yeah, anything's possible, but... Let's be realistic yeah. here. It, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But unfortunately, they are the cockroach of the of the tech world, so they will continue to scurry across the kitchen floor every time you turn on the light for the next 50 years. Uh, yeah. Talking about missing the boat, Windows 10 Mobile. Okay, so let's take you back to Windows Phone 7 or Windows Phone 8. I forget which one it is. Uh, it was 8. It was 8. Windows Phone 8. It had the mobile wallet. It had it before Android had it. It had it before Apple had it. And it had it before Isis was soft card. I mean, it was that long ago. 
This is back when the tap-to-pay systems were really fighting against each other, when no one could really agree with who was going to be what or what the standard was going to be. Microsoft came out with the mobile wallet. And at launch, it was promised to be basically what Android Pay was during the heyday. However, due to carrier infighting, software regulations, it ended up being just a mobile wallet that only stored things for in-app purchases. It was really a pain. Um, In the end, uh, SoftCard, because it was no longer ISIS, became the go-to vendor for Androids. And then Android, uh, Google bought up SoftCard and integrated it into Android Pay. Uh, Apple Pay was launched, and now you have Samsung Pay as well. Well, now with Microsoft Windows 10 Mobile, they're bringing out Tap to Pay from the mobile wallet. It's kind of like Independence Day resurgence. Is that what it is? I, I'm glad to see they're striking while the iron's hot. Right. Right. It's nice to see that uh, they really followed that up. And I, I'm only mad about this because I had a Windows phone. I had the mobile wallet. They were the first to market with a mobile wallet. What the crap? Yeah. I honestly believe this happened. This was Microsoft waiting for the vendor to step up and make use of this platform. And they were thinking it was going to be ISIS. And then they thought it was going to be SoftCard. I remember I had a SoftCard app on my Windows phone. It came with the phone. I had it before most Androids did. But T-Mobile didn't yet allow it. T-Mobile blocked mobile tap to pay back then. Yeah, I know Verizon had issues with that as well, where they were blocking, uh, was it Android Wallet mm-hmm. at the time? I, yeah. That, there was so much fighting there in the early days, and I still think there is. I, I, I would agree, yeah. But it's, it just seems like Microsoft never really stepped in and said, nope, this is happening. Um, for better or for worse, both Google and Apple said, screw it, we don't care what your regulations are, this is going to be a thing. Yeah. And it, now it is. I When I was up there showing our Canadian brethren Samsung Pay, they were blown away. They're like, why don't we have that on our S7s? We looked it up. Not available in Canada. They Were, were all you really, able to use it up there? No. No, I couldn't. Oh, okay. But uh, I still have it on my phone. I could show them it. Yeah. And they just thought it was amazing until they found out they couldn't use it. And then they got really mad. As they should. It's freaking just, amazing. Yeah, just because Canadian banks haven't signed on. But this is what happens. You basically just you build it anyway. You show the customer what's possible. Sooner or later, the customer will demand it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, in other mobile failings news, that's not an actual category. <laughs> Motorola can't seem to keep any... They can't seem to keep any execs. They've lost quite a few. Yeah, so Jim Wicks is now leaving Motorola. Um, he was the one behind the the Razor and the Moto 360. He's been there since 2001. Basically, if you know Motorola and you're a millennial, chances are you know it, you know Motorola for one of his devices. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, so that's going to be real interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's um, been there for 15 years. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I guess uh, Ruben Castano is going to take over his design duties, and Castano's been there since '05. So I guess we'll see what happens, but maybe he'll come out with a, a Android smartwatch that doesn't have the little black spot at the bottom. Yeah. Um, in other weird mobile failing news, uh, Google has listed the death dates for different Nexus devices. Is this really a failing, though? I think that this I would is say more yes, of a PSA. Only because I would, I would say yes only because of one other reason. Just today, I caught wind of, and uh, I don't have enough details. This might be a next episode's show, because we're recording this late Sunday night. Uh, you will hear this episode in a few hours, honestly. So maybe this is a headline more kept for next week. But I just caught wind of a new Google-built phone that will not carry the Nexus name. Which I saw if, something about that. Yeah, if it's not a Nexus, Zoner, what does that mean? It means the Nexus is going away. Yeah, right? I mean, if Google won't build a Nexus phone, and Nexus's, Nexus, Nexus are Next known side. for, yeah, uh, they're known for being all stock Android and being the first to update. So we have a list of devices here. Um, so like the Nexus 5, the Nexus 6, the Nexus 9. Sorry, the 5 is already off the book. The 10 is already off the book. The Nexus 7 is already off the book. The Nexus 6 and the 9 will no longer be supported after October of this year. The 5X and the 6P, September of next year. That is not a long stretch. The 6P is the brand new one. It's the newest one. That's September so that's of next a, year. That's about a two-year two year life cycle, though. That's kind of what... Apple does an with their devices. Uh, well, no. I rarely come to the defense of Apple, but I remember, you know, the iPhone 5 was being launched and the 3GS was still getting updates. They weren't working great on it, but they were still getting updates. I think this is a shortening of the Nexus support window and now Google dropping the Nexus name from their new device. I'm beginning to wonder if the whole we're the first to give you updates. And need I remind you, the Marshmallow update did not hit Nexus devices first. No, it didn't. I forgot about that. My Nexus 5 got it. You had Marshmallow before I did, didn't you? Like three or four yeah. days on your yeah. LG? Yeah, I'm, I'm on my LG. Now, you know, it's interesting, though, because they are, I mean, this is no guaranteed Android version updates, so you're not going to get Android N or whatever on your Nexus 5. At least, you're not guaranteed to. However, they are still pushing out monthly security updates. I powered on my Nexus 5 yesterday, I think it was, and I had a brand new update sitting there waiting for me. So, they are still pushing out updates. However, those updates are not guaranteed. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it turns out that... uh the whole keeping things up to date became a bit more of a task than they expected originally. So I would think it wouldn't be that bad if you're just dealing with a few products, unlike, you know, everyone else who's got multiple devices. I mean, how many versions of the Samsung galaxy are there? You know? Yeah, there's tons, tons and tons and tons. Um, into kind of another mobile fail, but honestly, we don't know. Uh, Apple's 
supposed iPhone 7 update uh, should be coming out here soon. And it is rumored to both have a better camera and waterproofing and nothing at all. I find that funny. There's two different rumors I've read that one is waterproofing and a better camera. And the other is nothing really different. You know, part of me wants to think they're staying with the status quo. Part of me thinks that both rumors are accurate. You and I have talked about how, what does waterproofing really say about a phone's fit and finish? It has to be assembled really well to be waterproof, right? And who likes showing off their fit and finish more than Apple? It would really benefit them to make water resilience and waterproofing a major part of the iPhone 7. So, well, and it's got to yeah. be easier now that they've got robots doing it all at Foxconn. So. Exactly. Unless they've all committed suicide, too, by pl- unplugging each other. Um, <laughs> that poor, sad, single robot that was l- at the end of the unplugging chain. No one's there to I turn think, him off. I think his name's Wally. Yeah. Um, but also, a new camera, that's kind of what you'd expect. I mean, it's what Apple does. I mean, if an iPhone comes out that doesn't have a new camera, that would be weird. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's generally one of the big selling points that they have. Uh, It's a Retina eye-popping 8 million megapixel make-you-poop-your-pants-awesome photo resolution. So, Yeah. yeah, that's what they do. Um, I will say this, all phones should be waterproof. I think I've said that before. Um, when I was on my way back from Toronto, I stopped in at Niagara Falls, got some great video, got some pictures, the amount of mist being shot up there. If anyone's visited, you know what I'm talking about. It's basically like a torrential rain all the time. And I'm just there happily taking pictures with my camera phone. And some of the best pictures I've ever seen, I might add, just awesome pictures, snapping slow motion of the falls, zooming in on individual detail, and not caring one lick that my phone is getting soaked. It's liberating. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I love the waterproofness. And, you know, I got to say, I don't worry so much about it dropping in the toilet now. However, I still worry a lot about dropping my phone in the toilet because I know that if that day ever happens, I'll probably never be able to use my phone again. <laughs> Let's see if this thing's now fireproof. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, let's talk about a mobile win, shall we? We've we've ragged on the mobile industry enough today. Let's let's go on a mobile win. Google has added a new feature to their two-step verification. Uh, I've used it since they've launched it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So if you need a refresher, two-step verification. You sign into a service, and it says, great. Now enter the code that we're texting you. And they'll text you a code to your mobile phone. You enter the, the, the code in, and you get in. Or if you've registered your mobile device and you have something like Google Authenticator or iPhone Authenticator or Windows Authenticator, it just has your tokens randomly changing on your phone. Then you don't need your code texted to you. It's already on your phone. Google has implemented a new way. You have to register it under your account. 
So if you have a Google account, and let's be honest, statistically speaking, everyone does, you go under there, you add your phone, and you turn on this service. Now, instead of having to enter in a code, you sign into the Google service. It says, please check your phone. You look at your phone. It says, are you trying to log into a Google service at this location? I click yes. Done. Nice. Done. It is the simplest thing ever. It works so well. And it's so just, it just makes sense. You know, I actually used Google Authenticator a lot for two factor authentication uh, with my last job. And when I got my S7, I just realized I haven't put it back on. I don't use two factor authentication on a lot of sites just because it's such a pain in the butt to get that code. And if the code gets out of sync and then you got problems and, so this is nice. I'm actually going to have to start going back to the two-factor authentication, especially the way that I tend to have things compromised. Mm, yeah, <laughs> especially that. Yes. <laughs> um, so good job, Google. Uh, if that, you want instructions on awesome. how to do it, check out the link in the show notes. It'll explain how to do it. it but it's definitely it's definitely fun. Um, let's go into the obligatory hack news. Acer, their online store, was hacked. I'm trying to think if I've ever bought anything directly from them. I don't believe that I have, so I think that hashtag hackzoner is not in effect in this one. Oh, please. We know it was you. I do um, have a... Uh, never mind. I thought... Never mind. Carry on. Um, <laughs> let's see here. What was the other one? Oh, Carbonite. Well, that's a bad one. Oh yeah. Carbonite. They sent out an email to, uh, to their customers basically saying, you know what? We haven't been compromised. However, we are seeing a lot of passwords that have been leaked in the giant data dumps of the previous weeks. Uh, trying to be used to access your accounts. So just so you know, we are aware of this. We are doing what we can to ensure that your data is secure. Uh, but y'all need to reset your password. We'll tell you how to do that. Watch for an email. So I think, you know, we talked about the Who did, who did we talk about this with? Oh, um, Netflix. Did team, it. team viewer. This is team what viewer team viewers should have done. This is what they should have done, and instead they were idiots about it and lost a bunch of lost a bunch of users. So, but yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And I am not a Carbonite customer, so y'all can thank me who are because that is why your data is still safe with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Into our favorites. So, occasionally I see these things pop up in my YouTube feed. But uh, DC Online Entertainment has, you know, their own little YouTube channel where it's basically just a whole bunch of self-congratulatory crap. They say, hey, wasn't this great? Remember this thing? Wasn't it great? Here's uh, some great scenes from an upcoming DC Online animated whatever that you really want to get interested in. Here's a behind-the-scenes look at... Uh, Batman v Superman. Um, the problem is, is that 
all their live action stuff sucks. Meanwhile, their online, their, their uh, online, their animated stuff is amazing. And to prove it, they have part two of their 10 top animated moments from DC movies. And you look at it and it's like, man, why can they not do this in any live action stuff? It's a short video for 10 things. It's only eight. Um, and there are on their videos going back eight years in them, but you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I definitely love the DC animated stuff. They do that really well. And, you know, it's funny because every time I hear Clancy Brown in a non-animated role, I always think he's Lex Luthor. That's that's just how it is. Okay, my favorite this week uh, is Star Wars related, but it's also toy related. Uh, Hot Toys, I don't know if you've heard of them or not. I think I've talked about them before on on either this or Generic Geek Podcast. But they make toys that are, like, amazing. I'm pretty sure witchcraft is involved, probably sacrificing of virgins. Um, I'm just not sure exactly what goes into these. But they are coming out with a Han Solo and a Chewbacca from The Force Awakens. And these things are straight up amazing. I I mean, old man Han, he just looks great. I can't he looks remember. Grizzled. Oh, he does. I, I can't remember the last time I saw toys that looked this good. I mean, these guys have done Scarlet Witch. They've done Black Widow. They've done some amazing figures, some Batman figures, if I recall, uh, and they're just phenomenal. Uh, I do have a couple complaints. Chewbacca is missing an upper lip. He's looking a little bit like Reba McIntyre in that regard. Uh, however, these are great looking figures. And I, I couldn't find a price on them, but I'm betting they're not going to be cheap. So save your pennies, friends. And you, when these go out, pick them up. Would you call him Rebacca? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> if that hadn't well, happened in the last minute of the episode, I would so totally make that the show title. <laughs> that was awesome. I didn't even think of that. But yes, Rebaka. Okay. Um, well, that is our show this week. Hey, um, voting's long over nominations long over we just wanted to give another shout out to all of our fans who nominated us for the 11th uh, podcast awards 11th is right was it 11 i believe it is the 11th yes yeah the the, the 11th annual podcast awards um we will hear soon i guess well we'll, uh, we'll hear when you hear actually uh they the the show was tonight i i just realized um, thank you to all of those who voted for us. However, we came up short. It looks like Hack 5 won for Best Tech Podcast. Um, but thank you for all of your support. We do appreciate and love each one of you for listening to us. Never mind that. Fans, you failed us for the last time. <laughs> That's three times you've let us down. No, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for, uh, to, to Todd Cochran and the guys over at uh, the Podcast Awards for doing that. You guys don't understand how much it means to have a legitimate body recognize the art of podcasting in general. So we do appreciate it. 
Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Again, let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.